morning that I think is, it, you, you may not have heard this subject uh, preached before. I know that it was uh, definitely something that I had uh, hardly ever heard about, but I want to talk about something. I want to talk about the plan of God for your life. I want to talk about what happens when we get away from that plan. So if you would turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 7 really quickly, um, while you are finding that uh, I want to remind you, we do have a, an outreach we're going to do this afternoon. That we, We're not going to gather this evening for Elevate. Um, we are going to uh, be here uh, late afternoon packing up boxes of Thanksgiving essentials. And uh, we're going to be delivering those boxes to people in Spring Hill and Sarepta. So if you know someone that could benefit, maybe an elderly couple, maybe someone that's um, having a little bit of a hard time this year, that could benefit from a box of just, I mean, it's, Brittany and I went and we bought out Piggly Wiggly on like all the cranberry sauce. And someone's like, man, you guys really love that. And I was like, I, nope, do not speak that over my life. That stuff's nasty. But we went and bought, we went and bought a lot of it. So you know what? We're going to be here probably about 2.30. If you want to swing by and help us pack up boxes and help deliver those, it's going to be a great time. Come on. We, can, can, can someone say amen to this? We, we're, to be his, we're to be his hands and feet. Amen. Come on, we don't want to just come to church. We want to be the church. Come on. And so let's look at, uh, let's, let's look at 1 Samuel 7. It says, So the men of Goliath, uh, Jerem, came and took up the ark of the Lord. They brought it to Abinadab's house on the hill and consecrated Eleazar, his son, to guard the ark of the Lord. The ark remained at Kiriath-Jerem for a long time, 20 years in all. We're going, to lead a, we're going to read a lot of Bible this morning. Is that okay with you? It's better for me to read this than, than to preach, I think, because I'll get all messed up, but this is good. So then, the, the, uh, then all the people of Israel turned back to the Lord. So Samuel said to all the Israelites, if you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and of the Ashereths and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines so the Israelites put away their bells and asherets and serve the Lord only then Samuel said assemble all Israel at Mizpah and I will intercede with the Lord for you when they had assembled at Mizpah they drew water and poured it out before the Lord on that day they fasted and there they confessed, we have sinned against the Lord. Now Samuel was serving as leader of Israel. When the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. When the Israelites heard it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. They said to Samuel, do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. Then Samuel took a lamb and sacrificed it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day, the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them, threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out to Mizpah 
and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to a point below Bethkar. Then Samuel, this is the part I want you to really listen to. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shin and named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they stopped invading Israel's territory throughout Samuel's lifetime. The hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. The towns from Ekron to Gath that the Philistines had captured from Israel were restored to Israel, and Israel delivered the neighboring territory from the hands of the Philistines, and there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. Samuel continued as Israel's leader all the days of his life. From year to year, he went on a circuit from Bethel to Gilgal to Mizpah, judging Israel in all those places. But he always went back to Ramah, where his home was. And there he also held court for Israel. And he built an altar there to the Lord. Let's pray before we go any further. God, I just, I'm so thankful for your presence in this place already this morning. God, I'm so thankful for your word. And I just pray right now, God, that you that you give me inspiration, God, to say the things that you want me to say this morning, God. And I pray that the, the presence that your presence is felt even strongly, uh, even more strongly uh, going further into this message, God, and the rest of this gathering that we have today. I just pray that hearts and minds are impacted by you, God, and that we are empowered uh, by the words that, that by the words that you give me to speak this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, First Lady, for backing me up. She always, I asked her, I was like, you got to start backing me up because I get up here and I get all tongue-tied. And, and if you're playing that pretty music, they won't know as bad. So it always helps. Listen, so we just read a lot of scripture. Everybody take a deep breath. Whew, that was a lot. All right, we're going to read some more. Uh, so let's look at this. So we begin our, 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 our story today. Uh, welcome to Children's Church. We're telling stories. No, um, we begin today at the top of the mountain. How many of you have ever been to the top of the mountain? You've been to a place in your life and you say, man, this is really good. I feel really great right now. Um, you feel really good, but listen, there's always a process to get there. Come on. There's always a journey to get to those places. Um, I, don't, I don't think, I heard, I've heard the word privilege said a lot uh, out, but I don't know anybody that just was born and placed on top of the mountain. I know, everybody I know had to work. Everybody I know had to put in time. But we start at the beginning, or, or we start at the end of the story here. Um, uh, the, the top of the mountain, glory abounds, but how did we get here? Let's go back. There's tragedy in this story. See, 1 Samuel is such a good book. There's so much there. I want you to go home and read this. It's such a good book. Uh, a good story of what God can do and how God can turn things around. And so uh, how many of you know that the farther we wander away from God's plan, the farther uh, we wander away from the principles of God, the farther uh, we, uh, the, the less we walk in the promises of God. Let me say that again. The farther we get from the principles of God, the less we walk in the promises of God. How many of you know someone, maybe it was you, I know for sure it was me, and, and there's an obvious call of God on their life, and you know, maybe they're full of the Holy Spirit, maybe they're serving in church, uh, they're doing all kinds of things, they're, they're getting out in the community and loving on people and speaking the name of Jesus, and then all of a sudden, something happens in their life and they just begin to wander. 
That's probably, that's probably been all of us at some point in our lives, at some point in this walk, uh, this faith journey that we're all on. And uh, I know for sure it was me. But you see someone do that, and they wander, and all of a sudden things begin to go wrong. I had a young man say to me, he said, Pastor, man, uh, things were so good when we were in church, when we were, when we were coming together and worshiping, and, uh, but now everything's rough. And I was like, go back to church. What do we do? He's like, what do we do, Pastor? I'm like, go back to church, bro. Get in the Word. Gather with your friends and your family in Jesus' name. Uh, Proverbs 16, verse 2 says, All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Is that not relevant right now? Is that not relevant in, in 2021, all a person's ways, you think you're doing the right thing. Someone, you begin to justify. People justify things to themselves, and they do mental gymnastics. Listen, I don't do any form of gymnastics, okay? And so people do these mental gymnastics to figure out how doing something was okay. Like, yeah, pastor, listen, I cussed that dude out at Brookshire's, but like, it was okay because that was in the Bible and, you know, David and Goliath. And like, all right, no, that's not. Let's just pray and repent. So people do mental gymnastics to try to justify things they do. But ultimately, God is the decider. Ultimately, God is the judge, okay? So verse 3 says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. So let's, get, let, let's, let's not worry about why what we're doing are... Let's not try to prove, hey, I'm going to go and do this thing over here, and it'll probably be okay because, like, you know, I was watching, you know, I watched the live stream from church last week, and so I'm going to do this thing, and maybe it's a little sketch, but it'll be okay, man, because whatever. Let's not do that. Let's commit everything we do to Jesus. Let's commit everything we do in our lives to him. Uh, I love to um, hold up the line at Browning Elementary and pray with my kids. And uh, I'm just, it's a faith building exercise. You know, it's a patience building exercise for everyone behind me. And we're just like, you know, they're like, we got to go. You know, they got like rollers in their hair. And, I, and we're having a prayer meeting. And so we want to commit everything we do. You, you, people gather together and they sit down to eat lunch and they pray over their food, right? Why don't we pray over everything we do? Why don't we do that? I think there's a little bit of tradition involved with praying over your food. Don't get me wrong. I, I, we pray over food. We pray over our food. Um, sometimes you go to Chavo's. You got to catch somebody because they'll be eating them chips so fast. And um, you, is, are you pre-chip? Or are you post-chip? I don't know. But you know, we ble we, you know we we're thankful for the food we have. But why don't we do? Why don't we commit everything we're doing to to the Lord? Why don't we do that more often? You know, when we wake up, we say, God, be with us this day. God, walk with us today. God, empower us today. Um, you know, anytime that my kids and I go on an adventure, we go hunting or we go fishing and everything, we'll pray in the truck before we get ready to go. And we'll just, we'll pray for safety. You know, hey, God, just keep us safe while we're doing this. Because dad doesn't know how to drive this boat at all. You know, it's, we leave, God, he already knows that. So we leave that part out. Listen, it says, commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. Okay. So we want to come in and say, God, Today is, is yours. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk with you today. I'm committing this day to you. And guess what? God's there with you. So I would much rather commit to him the things that I'm going to do. Commit to him. God, be with me today. 
I'm just praying that you just walk with me today and be established instead of just winging it. And then verse 4 says, The Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. All right, so, so this is talking about God's plan and getting outside of it. And so what happens? In 1 Samuel 4, the presence of God leaves, the Ark of the Covenant. It says, Now the Israelites went out to fight against the Philistines. The Israelites camped at Ebenezer. That's that word again. And the Philistines at Aphek. The Philistines destroyed, uh, deployed their forces to meet Israel. And as the battle spread, Israel was defeated by the Philistines. Bad news. Who killed about 4,000 of them on the battlefield. When the soldiers returned to the camp, the elders of Israel asked, Why did the Lord bring defeat on us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the Lord's covenant from Shiloh, so that he may go with us and save us from the hand of our enemies. So the people sent men to Shiloh, and they brought back the ark of the covenant of the Lord Almighty, who was enthroned between the cherubim. And Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. When the Ark of the Lord's Covenant came into the camp, all Israel raised such a great shout that the ground shook. Hearing the uproar, the Philistines asked, what's all this shouting in the Hebrew camp? When they learned that the Ark of the Lord had come into the camp, the Philistines were afraid. A God has come into the camp, they said. Oh no, nothing like this has happened before. We're doomed. Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? They are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all kinds of plagues in the wilderness. Be strong, Philistines. Be men, or you will be subject to the Hebrews as they have been to you. Be men and fight. So the Philistines fought, and the Israelites were defeated, and every man fled to his tent. The slaughter was very great. Israel lost 30,000 foot soldiers. The ark, of the, uh, the ark of God was captured, and Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, died. A bad day. A bad day. Now, if you know some background to this story here, you know that these two men had been doing some things that they should not have been doing. You know that these two men had been going outside of God's establishment, of God's established plan and doing their own things. And as we've already talked about this morning, when we get to doing that, when we say, hey, God, I got this. You just chill. I'm going to do me. I'm going to live my best life real quick. When we start doing those things, we oftentimes get ourselves in some trouble. We oftentimes get ourselves in some trouble. Um, if you've ever had kids, then you understand someone getting outside of the rules and how much trouble they can get in and how fast it can happen. Uh, my son has, uh, he loves to, um, we have an electric leaf blower, and he loves to take that thing and just, he loves doing that. And I'm like, hey, this is great, because now I don't have to. And so, I, I, so he came out the other day, and, and he's, he's like, Dad, I want to do that thing. I want, to, I want to use the blower. I want to use the blower. And so I gave it to him. I'm like, all right, well, son, I want you to just blow right here in our driveway. I want you to blow the leaves and the pine straw out of our driveway. And so he started, he's doing this thing. And I was listening to a book in my headphones. And, and I'm over here on the other side of the yard, and I'm raking some stuff up. 
and it was a rare moment of yard work at the law household. So it was, it was a moment of beauty. And I was really focused in that, you know. And I'm raking, and I, hear, I can hear him back there. And it sounded like the thing got far away. And I was like, what's he doing? And I turned around. And y'all, our neighbors, they keep their yard immaculate. They keep their driveway so clean. But not that day. And so my son is over there in the neighbor's yard. And he's... He's blowing everything out of the street, all of our leaves, all of our stuff, up in their yard, up in their driveway. And I'm like, no. And so I go over there and I pick him up and he's fighting me. You know, he's, he's like, what are you doing? I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to do this. And so I, I, we get out of there because I don't want them to find out. I don't want them, to, I don't want to get caught. So we get out of there and we go back home. And like, y'all, it was like two minutes later, they pulled up and they get out of their car. And they were like, well, this is just a mess. How'd this happen? And I, I was raking. I don't know. And so, listen, so just that quick, he got off the plan. Just that fast, Jimmy, he got off the plan. And that's what happens, family. When we, when we, get, when we stop praying, a lot of people, they, they pray at church. That's it. When we stop worshiping, listen, you don't have to be sitting in here or standing in here listening to the worship team lead to be worshiping. Come on. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. Come on. You can worship every, every day of your life. Does, you don't have to be at church. You don't even have to be listening to Caleb on the radio. You can worship. Come on. You can give God praise in every day of your life when you're facing all kinds of different things. And so let's, let's make sure that we're doing those things. Let's make sure that we're staying in the Word. Come on. A lot of even pastors really struggle with, with reading their Bible because we're so busy and we, we spend so much time scrolling social media. And, and, you know, put those things aside and get in the Word. A lot of pastors even, they read the Bible while they're doing sermon prep. And that's such a, that's such a loss. You need to be in that Word. Somebody said, man, I just really want to, I wish God would speak to me. And we say, read your Bible. And they say, well, I wish he would speak to me. Like, I wish I had a personal Word. I'm like, read your Bible. So let's get in the Word because that helps you stay on track. That helps you stay on the path you're supposed to be on. When you get grounded, come on, when you get in the Word and you don't, you know, there are so many things out there that will pull you away, not just like in the secular world, man. There are uh, ministries out there that, that have crazy things going on, and they pull people away, and they, they, they teach them things that aren't biblical. And so one thing that we really are careful about here. A community church is, is, is really testing everything through Scripture. I even said something uh, one Sunday morning that I had been taught, and it was kind of a traditional teaching. And I was like, yeah, this happened. And somebody was like, actually, Pastor, they waited till after church, thank, thankfully. But they're like, hey, that's not, that's not what it actually said. And so I, was, I stood corrected. But listen, um, when we begin to build, when we begin to get prideful, whatever we build crumbles. Come on. Whatever we set up begins to crumble. And it can be our personality. It could be our view of ourself. How many people do you know, uh, they had this, this high inflated view of themselves and then something happened and they couldn't perform the way they could before and all of a sudden they just fall to pieces because they had so much emotional equity in that one thing. 
They had so much hope in that one thing. Listen, I've said this before, and I'll say it again, and I'll keep saying it. When we place our hope in God, our hope is limitless. When we place our hope in Jesus, our capacity for hope is infinite because God does not fail. God does not give up. Come on, somebody get excited on that. God doesn't quit. God doesn't get tired. God doesn't run out of cash. Come on, he's got a cattle on a thousand hills. We don't even, we're, our town is named Hill, and we don't even have a thousand hills. Come on. Listen, uh, God doesn't, he doesn't get tired. He doesn't break promises. I wish somebody get excited this morning. Come on. I know it's foggy outside, but it's not foggy in this house. Come on. And so God doesn't break down. God keeps going. He keeps fighting for you, and his promises always stand. Come on, somebody. And so why in the world do we wander away? We get crazy ideas, we get crazy things in our head. And so this happened. And so they wandered. They got out of the plan. They got out of that focus. They stopped looking at God. They stopped listening. And tragedy came. Tragedy came. It broke my heart. I'm going to tell this one more story, and then we'll move on. It broke my heart. I, I, there was a mentor I had when I was a young minister. I, and this mentor, I really looked up to him. He was so wise. And I, and I thought, man, this guy's an encyclopedia of Bible knowledge. And I will never, like, I, I'll never know as much about the Bible as this guy does. He just knew it all. And I remember I, was, I sat in this pastor's office, and I learned from him, and he taught me amazing, uh, relevant things about church ministry and about the Word. And then one day, somebody called me. I was at work, and they said, hey, look on the news. And I did, and there was this man that had mentored me in a mugshot, and that really bothered me. And a lot of people made fun of him, and a lot of people tried to kick him while he was down, and that really bothered me because this person that had it all together, all of a sudden, everything fell apart. Let me tell you something, family. I love you so much, but hear this. Hear this. Hear me today. It only takes a little, a little thing to grow into a big thing. Come on. A seed grows into a large tree. And we usually use that in a hopeful way. We usually use that talking about faith, and that's great. I love that metaphor. But all it takes is a little thing. All it takes is a little. Yeah, I cussed. But it was a joke. I cussed. It was a joke. I spoke ugly to someone, but I was frustrated, and, and they kind of deserved it. Little things begin to be big things. These two guys... They, 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 they stole meat from the temple. And it ended up costing them their lives because their sin compounded. So listen, tragedy. But let me tell you what God does. God takes tragedy and brings turnaround. Let me say that again. God can take tragedy and bring a turnaround, a refocus. And so here's what happens. This is where we started at this morning. The ark returns. If you read the story, the ark was taken to these places. God's so good. Uh, the ark was taken to the city of the Philistines, and they set it up next to their demon god. And they said, yeah, that's funny. And then they went to bed, and the next morning they came up, the demon god statue was laying on its face. And they were like, how'd that happen? And so they set it back up. The next morning they came in, it was laying on its face. Their, 
is no one above him. There is no one above him. And it kept happening, and the town ended up being, they ended up sending tribute back to Israel. They sent the ark away. So go home and read it. It's a really interesting story. So the ark returns. Samuel sets up a monument to the help that God brings. He calls it Ebenezer. The name of the place where the tragedy happened. He set up a monument to God's help, and what did he name it? Come on, somebody. What did he name it? He named it cancer. He named it financial ruin. He said, these are the things that tried to destroy us, but I'm going to make this a monument to the help that God's bring, that God brings. Did you miss what I said? Did you miss what I said? God can take the things that mess you up and bring you down low and turn those things into the things that grow you the most. And so let's do that. Let's say, yeah, you know what? The devil tried to shut me down with addiction. The devil tried to shut me down with abuse. But now that's a monument, and it's got the name. And I remember what happened, but I made a monument there. And I said, because God helped me through. That's what he did. He made a monument, and it was, it was called help. The name Ebenezer means help. God helped. And so he named it the name that the tragedy of, of the place where the tragedy took place. Our biggest tragedy in our lives can lead to our greatest turnarounds. The biggest mess up that you've ever had in your life can grow into the greatest thing. And that's hard. That's hard because I think that there's, a, you know, we talk about healing emotionally. Man, I went through something, Pastor, and it really hurt me bad. I understand that, and I feel for you, and I've been through those things. But let's not hide those things away. Listen, you're not, your identity is not wrapped up in those things, but your testimony is. And testimonies are powerful. I love it when we have testimony services here, and we just share the good things that God has done in our lives. Those are important. Don't hide those things. Don't hide those things. Some of the most powerful services you've ever been to, I'm sure, were just someone simply standing up and saying, hey, this is what God did in my life. Your biggest tragedy can be your best turnaround. Psalm 34 says, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Worship team, if you guys want to come back as we close. I'm so glad that we sang that song, Raise a Hallelujah. I'm so glad we sang that. Because in the midst of everything, we can praise. And after the dust settles and the battle's over, I want you guys to build that Ebenezer. I want you to set up that stone of remembrance, that testimony, Sue, saying that God did it. God did it. Probably everyone in this room, you've had Ebenezer moments. And the, the name Ebenezer is, is tied up with a mean guy that doesn't like Christmas, right? So let's, let's change that a little bit. And I want you, every time in this season, when you hear somebody say, oh, you're just a Scrooge, when you hear someone say that name, Ebenezer, I want you to think of this. I want you to think of this powerful word from the Old Testament that doesn't mean I'm mad or I'm defeated or whatever. It means hope. It means help. 
God helped us. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, he writes, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient to you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, that's good, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For the rest of Samuel's life, he led Israel as a judge. They would come to him, the people, you know, something would be going on and they would need a decision to be made. And they would come to Samuel and he would, through, through the help of, of God uh, in wisdom, he would decide uh, on their affairs. But for the rest of his life, this is good. It says that he would go home to Ramah. And every time I can imagine Samuel is traveling down the path. He's probably got a group with him. And he's traveling. As he gets old, he's walking with a stick. And he's a little bit slower. But every time he passes by this place of tragedy, he sees a reminder of triumph. And watch this. He's going home to Ramah. Do you know what Ramah means? Ramah means height. Ramah means height. So we began our story, we began our sermon today on top of the mountain, at the height of what God does. That's home. But you've got to pass through that valley to get to that mountaintop. You've got to pass that tragedy to see triumph. And let me tell you something, God will do it. God will do it. Amen? So let's remember, let's remember the places we came from. Let's remember the battles that we went through, that Jesus fought for us, that Jesus redeemed us through, stood as our champion. Let's remember those places. And it might hurt. The memory might hurt when you say, man, that was a really hard time, but the triumph is glorious. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning as we get ready to close? I want you to remember those places. I want you to remember those times. Because you know someone that's going through it. Or you might be going through it again. And when you look at that monument, at that Ebenezer, that stone of help, and remember, God did it. And if He did it once, come on somebody, He'll do it again. If He did it once in your life, Brother Bobby, He'll do it again. I love that song we sing, do it again. God, do it again in our community. Do it again in our church. Do it again in our households. Do it again in our lives. Do it again in our hearts. God, do it again. The greatest triumph can come out of the greatest tragedy, the hardest tragedy. But God's big. God's good.
never loses, church. I want to pray a blessing over you as, as the worship team leads us in that song again. God, I just pray for my friends and my family this morning. God, some of us are facing tragedy in our life. We're facing difficult situations, hard things that break us down, that make us feel less than nothing. God, that make us feel like losers, that make us feel like we don't have any good answer. God, and I just pray that, that you give us strength as we face those things, God, that you empower us to walk through those valleys. God, that you walk with us. Fight for us, champion. We believe in you, God, and we trust in you. And I remember what you've done. I remember what you've done in my life. I remember what you've done in my family's lives. And I raise this. I raise this banner, God of triumph. I raise this banner that says, I remember the help. Come on, let's sing that. Let's sing that together. I raise a hallelujah in the